Welcome back to When I'm Not Podcasting. I have a story in front of me from spectator.us. The story is called Big Dope. And as we talk about cannabis here on this program, when I see hit pieces like this that are unapologetic and just want to go ahead and just damper the industry that I get to talk about and I get to go ahead and talk about on a regular basis working on CannabisRadio.com and hosting the show called Blunt Business. This story, you know, this is meant to be clickbait and rage bait to enrage everybody. And so I did point this out to our social media channels over at CannabisRadio.com to make the point. Okay. On the... There's an image at the beginning of the story where they have a guy that looks like almost like Dr. Jerry Falwell from Liberty University back in the day, right? The televangelist. And it has a doctor that it looks like he's stoned and he has rolled a $100 bill and lit it up. Now, in the story, the understory is a fog of madness, a stinky green cloud is now descending on America. And this is stemmed from the fact that New York State is now considering legalization. There's a proposal now in place and Governor Cuomo says he would sign the bill to make it happen. But there's a lot of things that need to happen before then. But again, because of the fact that Virginia is looking at after the state legislature in that state went ahead and passed legalization and Governor Northam had to go and sign into the law. New Mexico in the same way. New, Mex New York needing the money and needing the revenue, they're looking to do the same thing. Now, what's also interesting is that consensus strategies on a, a edition of Blunt Business, I talked to uh, the CEO there and he told me about the study where there's a very big indifference in terms of the respondents to his poll as to those that are in support of legalization, but the fact of how it's going to be handled and how they do not want the retailers in their backyard. It's a very weird dynamic, but that's how New York State, New York City are reacting. So here is the story from Madeline Kearns. Now, Madeline, I don't know, was this a story that you wanted to go and do yourself? But we're going to go through, I'm not going to try to debunk the story. I just want to point it out. Just point out what they're trying to go and say here. And, and again, it's the fact they're trying to go and fear monger. And they're trying to just say that, you know, they're, they're taking some things that are out of context. Part of that as well. All right. So here's the story. Young people are now more than likely to consume marijuana than to smoke tobacco. So the story they want to go right off the bat is that, oh, it's the kids. It's the kids. Right. Now, by the way, legalization in New York, if it is passed, you would have to be 21 and up to smoke, to consume marijuana. Okay. And I forget if it's 18 or 21 for the rest of the country. But again, you also have medical and it's also doctor prescribed. But nobody's saying anything about that here. So here's what we got. Now, there's a whole lot of fluff behind this because obviously Madeline here is trying to build up the case of like fear, 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 scare, scare, scare. It's like kind of a Stephen King novel writing this story. So it takes a 2019 Gallup poll, said that 12% of U.S. adults, 22% of those aged 18 to 29, said they smoke marijuana. Of course, using marijuana, you know, or using, or using dope or weed is derogatory in the most sense they want to do that. She writes, it won't be too long, I predict, before we look back in horror at the widespread acceptance of cannabis use. So, are we putting this as an opt-in? Are we actually saying that? Is there any kind of disclaimer that says, you know, opinions expressed of myself and not those of the author? I mean, or the, uh, the, the, uh, of the spectator? I don't know. No, it's a news story. As far as I know, this is not, so it just, it's under topic, but it looks like this is an opinion piece. 
Now, they try to tie in anti-tobacco, or tobacco, right? She says, quote, it's easy to forget the anti-tobacco researchers had to plot on at tortoise pace for years before they were able to prove what they had long suspected to be true. And what we all now take for granted, the casual link between smoking and lung cancer. Okay. What does that have to do with marijuana? And again, is that saying anything about people that ingest it through edibles, that vape, that might use it in beverages, cannabis-infused beverages, or as topicals, or as creams, or as balms? No, man, we're not talking about that, are we? Again, this is like what I this is what I expect from like a Laura Ingram out there, okay? Or something out of like you know CNN and MSNBC, some kind of a hit piece like this. So a spectator decides to go this route. All right, let's move along down to the next paragraph. Online fears among users are sprouting. Reddit underscore to me Reddit page for marijuana, which is a community of cannabis users, has nearly two hundred thousand members. The majority of posters of the forum appear to be frequent users favor liberalizing and state and federal marijuana laws and keep regular track of them by posting the latest news and opinion pieces. Yet, these enthusiastic stoners, no, they're not stoners. Why do you say that? Do you even have a makeup of the crowd that is consuming? How many professionals that, you know, they properly are able to go ahead and they actually manage and function very well, probably better than you, Madeline, on being able to go ahead and work, play, to be able to go ahead and function when it comes to you know, making business. I mean, you have no idea in the fact of how many Fortune 500 or Fortune 1000 level executives are in the cannabis space. You have no idea of the stories about people that have been in this space or maybe they might be in this community. The fact that we know that people have been helped or have been given some kind of sauce because they had loved ones that were hurting, epileptic seizures, you know, having issues with pains, arthrit arthritis, Alzheimer's, a lot of different things. It might not be the overall cure, but it is something that's a coping mechanism. But no, we're not going to talk about that, Madeline, are we? I love how she tries to basically cherry pick out of these Reddit posts. Enthusiastic stoners. So we're going to call them names now, Madeline. Okay. One 21-year-old, for example, complains of his strange effects he's been having on the drug. He's always loved weed. It's one of his favorite activities. Listen, he's an enthusiast. Okay, you pick somebody that just really enjoys it. Now, he says he's recently been getting terrible chest pain that feels like a knife being stuck right under my first rib on the left side of my chest. The hospital has no answers, does Reddit. Does it have anything to do with that? No, of course, she takes a story from the New York Times reporting that dozens of young people have been hospitalized across the country for severe respiratory problems after vaping nicotine or marijuana. Well, do we remember there was a lacing, there was a problem with the mechanisms of vaping the 2019 vape crisis? Or are we going to mention that was what it was? Okay. Do we mention that some of those vaping products were tobacco-related? That's why Juul is not regularly on the market as marketable as it once was. You have to buy it more online. Or do we, well, we're not going to talk about the vape crisis, Madeline. Okay? So doctors and medical experts were unable to identify the causative agent. Well, of course they're not. I mean, they don't even deal with cannabis, period. And there's, you know, there was probably a time where you could probably go to somebody who deals with medical marijuana, a doctor prescribing it, that would understand the effects of it. But no, we're not going to talk about that. You're not even trying to trying to get into the cannabis community. You're going on the outside, taking a pure hit piece on the community. Okay? 
now continues in the Reddit story and goes on and starts talking about and just cherry-picking stories off of here. So, again, here's what she goes through now. Now she goes back to the tobacco industry later in the story. And tobacco and cannabis, you can't put those together. I mean, the studies of what tobacco does, cannabis, completely unrelatable. I mean, tobacco is... I mean, there's tobacco harvested, but then you have the narc, the nicotine, the other chemicals and things to be able to create, be able to create a cigarette. But you're talking about a natural, a natural, organically grown plant, which for most, in most cases, very little pesticides or any kind of uh, stimulants or any additives to the plant. It is grown natural, indoor or outdoor grown, or homegrown. So I don't know what she's talking about. Going through the 1950s and the studies when 85% of doctors are smokers. Again, what is this all about? What, where She's doing a good job of trying to create her point. I'll give her that. And then she brings up opioids and Oxycontin. And again, something that would be addictive. I mean, there are some, you know, again, it's just it's so stupid. Back to the story. Few seem to grasp, grasp the greediness of the cannabis industry. We are big marijuana, announced Jamin Shively, a tech entrepreneur, after Washington State's legalization of recreational marijuana in 2013. Again, we're going all the way back. We are moving forward with plans to build a national and eventually international network of cannabis businesses where we are going to mint more millionaires than Microsoft. In the U.S. alone, the industry is valued at $13.6 billion. Quite big growth in the last few years, by the way. Democrats are scrambling in the bed with big businesses to shaft the very people they normally they nominally represent. Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York has just announced the allocation of a $100 million cannabis social equity fund to address and correct decades of institutional wrongs to build back better than ever. And that he heralds the economic benefits of his big dope initiative and the economic the opportunity to generate much new revenue, but opportunity for whom exactly? Well, that's just politicians. That's just government. We're not going to listen. I'll go to the fight with you, Madeline. I'll fight to the death for you, right? To go ahead and talk about where the money's going and what how it's being used by government. Like that argument, I'll have with you right there. And I'm fighting with you on that. I am on the line with you talking about that. So, Neil Franklin, a cannabis reformer and law enforcement vet, executive director of LEAP or the Law Enforcement Action Partnership, he says he's greatly concerned about big dope putting profits into the economic interest of people of color as the weed business goes, quote, from the back room to the boardroom. He says the industry has moved from one where people of color were making the money, although illegal, selling on the street corners and neighborhoods and communities into the hands of Wall Street and corporate America. I don't know where he's getting that from. And then how many people do you know that are actually growing it? And second, of people that were actually selling, do you think they were actually selling so much of weed as they are, you know, again, dope? She's using dope in the wrong context. Isn't dope really cocaine? I mean, isn't it more just drugs? And that's the point. She's using big dope or big weed, like, you know, Laura Ingram would say, because they're trying to make the point of saying, oh, well, weed is like, it's like, it's like something you need to go ahead and cut out. You need to put something to kill the weed. That's thus the name. And the fact that people used to call it weed was another story, but either way, dope, as she wants to call it, she's trying to make the point here that cannabis is a drug and it's like, it's just something that it's just being pushed along, peddling the kids. That narrative you've heard for years, just when we've heard reefer madness for over a century, right? So she found somebody that was in support law enforcement action partnership. 
And I've seen Leap, they actually kind of got themselves entrenched in the cannabis industry and understanding. I don't know where this, uh, where this all came from, but okay. Now, here's the part of the story that really just like told me, okay. This, this is it's like just the fear-mongering personified. This quote says everything to me. And I actually put this out on a graphic, and I put it up on the Facebook and Instagram posts for Cannabis Radio and on Twitter. Quote, so whatever the vessel's condition or readiness, whatever doubts we might have, it's too late. The bottomless boat has left the harbor. The wingless plane is in the air. Blue and red states alike are turning, turning various shades of green as marijuana laws continue to be liberalized across the country. Critically, however, the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, can't regulate marijuana because it's still federally illegal. This gives big dope free reign to exploit a calamitous policy alignment and to develop and sell products, which not only rapidly outpace any regulations, but also all existing research. Well, you know who's actually stopping the research there? Madeline, the FDA. Okay, no mention of the 2018 FDA, or the hemp bill that was passed through House and Senate. And the implementation, the level of public meetings that were asked by the FDA. I mean, Scott Gottlieb, before he left, didn't even get this all implemented and done. But it was under his administration that this bill was passed. And only now are we starting to get some points as to the CBD industry and the kind of regulations that need to be done, the kind of labeling, the kind of disclaimers that need to be added, and how people need to go and be able to procure it and bring it together. And the fact that in this whole time, there are people that are trying to do research because CBD is, or, or hemp, is also in the same relation to cannabis, in the same, you know, same system of like, you know, what is that? Uh, I mean, they're in the same class, right? So hemp, there's more things that want to be done in terms of learning about hemp, and also the same with cannabis, to do research on the cannabis plant and learn what it can do medically. In Israel, there's a lot of medical research being done. You know, there's Raphael Machulam, the doctor, that's done many years of research on cannabis. And there are so many books, so many different thinkers, thought leaders, professors, doctors, medical people, tikkun olam, just look them up, and so many more that are learning about the plant and learning about all the things we can learn about it in terms of helping people and what it can help to take care of. But obviously, you're going to use the big words, you know, big pharma doesn't want to know about this because that'll take the cut out of their all the uh, medicine they put out. And any new medications you want to put out that will be FDA approved, okay? Same thing goes for big tobacco. They don't want to have this because it will be a safer alternative. Now, will there still be the issue of lung disease and possible lung issues? Yes, because you're ingesting smoke. Sure. That's obviously going to be an issue. If you're dabbing, possibly even more dangerous. But again, it's done in the moderation, just like anything else. And alcohol in the same way. They're all vices. But still... There are people that can go ahead and use this where they can get if they don't, they don't even have to smoke. There's so many different ways to ingest cannabis or marijuana as you wish that it doesn't make a difference. I mean, you got gummies, you got beverages, you got topicals, creams, lotions, everything. It's so many different forms, so many different potencies, water soluble through nano emulsion and done with so much overabundance of compliance and safety measures done above and beyond the levels of every state, Madeline. Oh, but we're not going to talk about that, are we? We don't, we don't want to talk about the compliance of all these bureau controls, uh, the control boards for cannabis, the czars of all these different states. 
We don't talk about well, how Canada also with a very high level, you know, and we're not. T- and again, you want to worry about people, you know, taking care of drugs. Well, you know what? Why don't you go ahead and make it where the where law enforcement doesn't have to go and continue to pull over people for marijuana possession, or if they are ingesting it? How do they worry about the people that are actually hard drugs? Worry about that, not Oregon because they they decriminalized it. But really, when you talk about legalization in this country, make sure the decriminalization is absolutely embedded and included into the bill that the politicians signed. The policymakers in D.C. need to include both and Safe Banking Act if we're going to be asking for everything. She now talks with a professor at Carnegie Mellon University, co-author of Marijuana Legalization, what everyone needs to know. His name is Jonathan Calkins. He says the problem with current legalization policies, policies he believes is profit. Well, again, the policies, that's also where the government comes in. The profit needs to overcome the cut that the politicians are going to ask for. Hey, Governor Newsom in California, Governor Gavin Newsom, you know, he gets, what, $500 billion in tax revenue, I think it is, per year in California. It's not enough. You know why? How much is going to his pocket? How much is going to the state of California's pocket when they're in such debt? Yeah, you haven't thought about that, huh? Quote, he makes an interesting analogy with the blood distribution market. But what does that have to do anything? Says, quote, they are making, there are many who make a living out of collecting and distributing blood, but no one is allowed to get rich that way because that would be ghoulish and ghastly. All nonprofits have to have a charter, a mission, he explains, in the context of marijuana. That would mean, quote, if you want to be a player, you have to pledge that your goal is to undercut the black market, but not to expand use. The goal of cutting the black market, the illicit market, you mean, Madeline, or Dr. Or Professor Calkins? What you're talking about, that's to the cannabis control boards. That's according to law enforcement. That's the state that needs to go ahead and help stop the illicit market. Trust me, the legal cannabis market does not want the illicit market. Believe it or not. And then they go along, and then he, and then Professor Calkins talks about regulatory capture, which is what happens when the regulated industry not only has a strong interest in less regulation, but also possesses, quote, the resources to provide substantial funds to politicians who will back industry-favoring nominees for regulatory positions. Mix in a bit of straight-up corruption, and the results can be toxic. Uh, okay. Strong interest in less regulation. I'm sorry. No. The regulation is always higher. But, of course... You're talking to this professor who, again, this is like uh, Philip from back to school, okay? He's living in fantasy land because he's talking about something else. Whatever he's talking about, he's not embedded in the industry. He's not talking to the people that are there, talking about the certain players and all this kind of thing. No. He's trying to create some weird system or something like that where it's like some corruption, like it's still being run like it's an illegal business. No, it's not. Multi, multi, multi-billion dollar interest. The stocks are through the roof. Investment, stock market, Silicon Valley, everybody is keeping their eyes on it. Okay? This is not so much about some corruption out of politicians. They're going to just get their cut. What this is, this is capitalism, baby. And cannabis is big money. That's what it is. Not big, though. Big, big money. It's all there is to it. Now, then she also takes out of context the issue in Oregon, which legalized marijuana, then decriminalized hard drugs, too appointed 15 people to its Cannabis Rules Advisory Committee. Four were growers. Three provided various services to the cannabis industry. One, a county commissioner sued for accepting industry handouts. Again, pinpointing, just trying to negatively cherry pick out of everything. Right? 
And then she goes to the medical profession, which, you know, by the way, they need to go and protect the pharmaceuticals. The money, they're, first of all, they're not making much money off of all this socialized health care that's out there or all these limited, you know, exchange health care plans, all right? They're not making much money. The money they're making is off the drug makers because they're offering the pedal drugs to them that they can push. So they're going to play nice for the sake of big pharma to keep getting that big fat cash. So don't tell me the doctors here are all safe and, you know, they're all, you know, uh, they're not suspect because they are. Then they talk about the genetic of a history of people that are having a pre latent predisposition or family history of psychosis. Again, this is like reefer magnus all over again. You are just playing the hits of the fear-mongery, Madeline. Don't you know that? Combine that context with the fact that weed is relatively cheap. No, it's not. Relatively cheap. Vape pens cost like 50, 60 bucks starting off in California. And, you know, for ounces, I don't even know how much they are. But again, for the high quality grade of cannabis you're getting right now, that's not cheap. I'm sure you know people that know very well. Though if it's cheap, it's from the illicit market. That's where it's cheap. Everybody else, it's pricey. Sorry. Ryan Vandry, professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins University, he says, quote, from a purely pharma pharmacological perspective, it's important to recognize that cannabis is a drug of abuse. Bullshit, professor. Neurologically, it increases dopamine re release of the reward center of the brain, the same that all other drugs of abuse do. Do you have any research to back that up? Have you actually worked with any cannabis flower at all? Seeds? Anything, professor? Where are you basing your information from? And do we have anything at all here, Madeline, that kind of, are you going to try to support the claim you're making or are you just going to take these people word, uh, at their, on, on their word? What are we doing here? Then she talks to a Scottish psychiatrist. And they talk about what's involved in psychosis, whatever. And moves along, talks about psychiatric schizophrenia. Again, she just goes into another route all together, which is ridiculous. Now, going more, this is a very long story, by the way. Do such findings published in international, leading international psychiatry journals give pause to big dope? Big nope. From the business side of things, this all makes perfect sense. Big Dope wants its customers to love its products and to use them as often as possible. So what does it do? It makes a lot of different varieties to maintain interest, which is what commerce is, which is what retail is. Yes, you have many products in a dispensary or a store, and people will buy them. Okay, that's, that's normal. I don't know where she's coming from with that. So people used to smoke marijuana. Now they vape it, eat it, slather themselves with it, and even shut up their asses. Because frankly, why not? Okay, you don't like it. And you took it upon yourself to just basically alienate the cannabis industry and the millions of people that are involved in it and just putting everybody in a, in a spot. They're all we're a bunch of stoners. By the way, for the record, I've done cannabis radio since 2014 when it was cannabis radio. So I've been on this air on the air doing this this station for almost seven years, but six years officially. And I hate to tell it to you, Madeline, I have never ingested cannabis in my life. I've never smoked. I've never eaten. I've never consumed. And the funny part is, you know, it's people like you that do this and just make me feel so proud of the work I get to do for cannabis radio and for me to talk to the people defending the cannabis industry, 
which I'm happy about because there's some great people in this industry. And I love standing for them. Not on this program, but on cannabis radio across the board. I want cannabis to be legalized, and there are so many great reasons for it. You just don't get it. You choose not to get it. I'm sure you probably heard some things, but again, you are just taking the worst of the worst of the worst. And I don't know why you want to go ahead and, you know, again, you want to take down the cannabis industry. Well, that's not going to happen. You already said it yourself. But this is pure fear mongering. You, and the problem is too is that you don't, re, you know, you don't also don't like the fact that you know, CPAIR, the uh, what is it, the Cannabis uh, Coalition for Policy Regulation. What is it? Policy Education and Regulation. CPAIR has been created, and that cons- that is a co- comprised of several big alcohol com- uh, institutions, big tobacco, and cannabis all together with the National Association of Convenience Stores, all together in a coalition that's probably going to put some major cash flow into the lobbying efforts of cannabis legalization, which will ultimately get it past the finish line. But my question is, at what cost? Will it alienate the grassroots part of the cannabis industry? But that's another story for another day. But again, I'm talking about this hit piece. At the end, she writes this, because lest we forget it, they need a cause, a religion. And they found one. As one marijuana sufferer besieged by what he suspects to be weed-induced afflictions, cries out for the depths. I don't want to quit this god of a plant. Can anyone help? But it's not a matter of can they, can they help. It's a matter of will they. For a spiritual crisis, as much as anything else, it's what's plaguing the U.S. Here on the precipice of smoking, bacon, vaping, rubbing 2020s. Welcome to the brave new era of bowing down to the green stuff. For the poor, it's marijuana. For the privileged, it's money. Madeline, where are you coming from with this? <laughs> I should go ahead and write, you know, at least you put your email address over there. I should go ahead and write to you and get you on the air to talk about this because I think we need to go ahead and have a discussion. And, you know, I'll welcome you to the platform. You want to be on this little small platform when I'm not podcasting or I want, you want me to put you on Blunt Business where we got a big audience? I'll do either or. We'll talk about it. I'd like to see where you're going to come from, Right? I'll prepare an interview for you. I'm going to write to you. I'm going to see if you want to come on. And trust me, I will be as open and as cordial and as friendly as possible. And I will not be intoxicated. And I will give you the opportunity to go and say your word. And we can have a nice little debate and discourse all about it. And I hope you will take me up on my offer. But for now, this story is complete dope. It's wrong. It's junk. And I don't know if you were just put up to it, how much of it you believe, but I'd love to be able to talk to you about it because that's the kind of guy I am. Anyway, I'll leave it there. I'd love to get your thoughts. Obviously, this is going to get some word out there. So I leave it all to you to the commenters of this story and let me know what you think. And maybe we'll just do a follow up on the story after all. But again, I'm going to reach out to this young lady. We'll talk to her and we'll see what this is all about. But she put the story out there. I'd like to see her try to defend it. And, you know, come across where she's coming from. That I like to do. And I will talk to you all next time.